Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nerd Nest Podcast. This is episode seven. I am Bill and I'm joined today by my good friends Russ and uh, Rich. I got distracted because my screen told me that things were muted and it's not muted, it looks like. So everything, if you can hear us, let us know in chat. Uh, Rich, what have you been up to this week, man? Uh, not too much. I have been playing some some new games. I tried out a game called Arto. That was fun. But uh, yeah, really, I'm looking forward to asking you guys about Retroid Pocket Flip. That's right. Both Russ and I got our hands on the Retroid Pocket Flip. Russ put out a, a review pit video. I put out a review video the other day as well. Russ, what have you been up to this week? Man, I'm just in like review mode. So I have a stack of handhelds that I'm trying to get to. Like another one arrived yesterday. I'm like, it's, you should always feel good when you get a new device in the mail. And I feel bad when I get one because I see it <laughs> and I see 40 hours of work, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I've got a stack, I think a three or four at this point that are waiting for review. Um, I'm just going to knock them out as fast as I can, but that always takes me a while. So. There you go. Uh, If you guys have not been to the show before, generally we uh, sit down every Tuesday afternoon over at uh, nerdnest.tv and we chat about what we've been playing and the gaming news and stuff like that. Um, There's other people that generally will join us, but today it's just the three of us and we've got a lot to talk about. Um, Last time, uh, both Russ and I got our hands on the Retroid Pocket Flip, but we like last week's show is just so flipping packed. We did not have time to talk about it. And Rich was like, I want to know if I should get one. And so what I figured we would do today is that I would ask Rich to you know shoot us the questions, the things that you want to know about the Retroid Pocket Flip. And hopefully uh, Russ and I can answer that. Uh, before I let you get started on that, though, I just want to say that if you want to support Russ, uh, he has a a ten dollar off for the device. Now I think you don't get any credit for, or you don't get any kickback at f- from it, but you do get uh, credit for like the, they'll know that it came from you. Uh, so if you do end up picking up one of these, uh, use the code RGC RP flip. That's a terrible code. RGC RP <laughs> hey, flip. <laughs> uh, RGC RP flip, and you get ten dollars off this device. So it comes down from one sixty four down to one fifty four. If price is is something that you're talking about, but Rich, what do you think, man? What do, what do you what are your questions about yeah. the Retroid Pocket Flip? Yeah. So first of all, I saw both your videos. They're awesome. So thanks for making those. Especially, yeah, like you said, I know it takes like forty hours. Uh, if not more sometimes. So yeah, thank you for that. Um, a couple of questions that I had in mind is, I so I like the size of the Steam Deck and I, I don't like the size of the Switch, but I remember liking the like the 3DS XL, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that part of that is because it's a clamshell. How, how do you think someone like me who likes the size of the Steam Deck is going to get accommodated to the size of the Retroid Pocket Flip? I think we're going to come down on opposite sides here because I'm a huge fan of clamshell designs and Russ is on the fence. I'll let you yeah. you start off and I'll, I'll come in afterwards. Go ahead. Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely not someone who like uh, encourages like like I want to have a, a clamshell more than others. But all the same, yeah, the Retro Pocket Flip does a really good job in the ergonomics. So it just feels like a little bit more cradled as you're holding it. But, yeah. you know, the big thing for me is that Carrie talks about it all the time. He's not here today, obviously, but he always talks about how clamshells are superior. And he, you know, his point is basically, and it's a point that Bill made in his video, is that like, 
it, it's just roomier because you don't have to contend yeah. with uh, this competing space between the screen and the controls. And so because of that, yeah, it feels pretty roomy. Now, design-wise, I think they could have done a lot of things better, like the placement of the analog sticks isn't the best, you know, start and select button, things like that. So uh, just from an ergonomic standpoint, they didn't do a great job with it. But uh, just by using a clamshell, they kind of got a leg up on a lot of the other, like, chocolate handy or candy bar kind of uh, size ones. Nice. Yeah. As I'm holding it um, in my hands, it feels really, really good to hold. And I like, I really do like the clamshell design of this thing. I think, I think that that's fantastic. When I first looked at the design of this, my initial reaction was that I did not like where they had put the thumbsticks. Now, yeah. In my video, I talked a lot about the fact that I have nostalgia for 8-bit and 16-bit games, so I'm not going to really use the thumbsticks all that much, although there are some 8- and 16-bit games that I would prefer to use the thumbsticks instead of the the D-pad, like Ice Hockey on the NES. Um, like That one is just really, really good with a thumbstick. But um, I, I wasn't too keen on where they put those. I think that they did a really good job on the placement of these. Russ, you're absolutely right. The start and select buttons huge misstep there those should have been up here someplace so i didn't have to like i basically have to bring my thumb all the way down and there's put some extra strain on the thumb you don't hit those buttons very often so that's not really a huge deal um and then something else that i didn't like is that they didn't put this a speaker in the middle right here i think it would have been so much better i mean it didn't have to be like right here in the middle they could have put speakers up here right right along right. this or along the sides of the screen if they wanted i don't i'm not an engineer so maybe there's a very good reason why they didn't do that but as far as comfort i think it's pretty good especially because you don't have to hold it at a certain angle right. because you have that clamshell design you can t you can hold it at a certain angle and have the screen at a separate angle and it makes it a lot more comfortable uh now Emilio Sanchez in chat said, trying out the 3DS again after the deck, and I got hand cramps like you wouldn't believe. I like the size <laughs> of the deck. I will say the deck absolutely sounds or feels better yeah. than, than this, but the Steam Deck is not anywhere near as portable as this. So that's that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, what's your next question about that there, Russ? Or not Russ Rich. Dang it, I did it again. No, that you did you got better. just the two of us today, too. I know. <laughs> This is your chance. You're going to improve today. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so portability. What about battery life, right? So I know it's an Android handheld, so it's going to be much better than the Steam Deck in terms of emulating the the systems that I'm thinking about, like NES, really 8-bit, 16-bit, like you said, Bill. Uh, but what what's that battery life look like for, for those systems? Did you put it through its paces on, on battery life, Russ? I did. So uh, worst case scenario is about like four to five hours. That's if you're just yeah. playing straight PS2 and GameCube. One thing wow. I noticed, and I'm not sure if it's um, specific with my the one machine I was testing, is sometimes when I was playing PS2, I would push it so hard. And again, I wasn't I didn't have the fan on, so maybe that was an issue too. But I would push it so hard that sometimes the device would just turn off and be like, no, we're not playing today. You know, <laughs> it happened like twice, you know, so it wasn't enough for me to actually mention it in the review because uh it was a really fringe case when I was pushing it, you know. 
Um, but that was one thing I noticed. But aside from that, yeah, about four or five hours if you're really pushing it. When you're not pushing it, you know, I would say six to eight if you're just doing like retro game emulation. And then if you're just doing like streaming or video playback, it's like really good. So I watched like a two hour movie and I lost, I think, 11% battery or something like that. Wow. Yeah. And that was streaming via Plex from my local media server. So it was connecting to the internet, though, or at least to the Wi-Fi the entire time and streaming right. all that data. But still, yeah, it's really great. good. And so it's very phone-like in that kind of regard. You know what I mean? You know, you watch movies, yeah. it's going to take up a little bit less bandwidth than playing games. And, you know, reading would probably be even better. But, yeah, so it's battery life is good. It's nothing like an x86 platform. You know, the ARM chip definitely has some efficiencies when it comes to that. So For sure. And- I did not put it through its paces when it comes to batteries because I'm playing 8-bit, 16-bit games. Um, <laughs> there's no way. I'm not going to touch this battery. If I just plug it in when I go to sleep at night, I don't have to worry about it. That's the same reason when I, why when I pick up pick out my phone, I always get the biggest phone because it has the biggest battery yep. because I don't want to have to think about battery. And with this device, I absolutely do not have to think about the battery. Awesome. All right. I, I've been watching you guys talk about setting it up. That's the last question I have, setting it up. So let me ask you, Bill, from someone that hasn't set up an Android handheld before, and you're getting you're getting personal advice from Russ. So like what has that experience <laughs> been like for setting so, it up for your games? Yeah, we're in a we're in a private Discord and I was like I was getting frustrated by this thing. I was I, <laughs> nothing against Russ's guides. I'm bad at following guides. Like I'm going through and I'm trying to follow the directions and I'm like one of those, one of those jerks that's like, oh, okay, I get how it's done. Then I go through and I do some stuff and then I'm like, wait yep. a second, what the hell? That's not, okay, let me go back and look. And so I was getting really frustrated, but that's after, like, I remember back in the day being on a PC and getting like setting up my emulation stuff. Like it was Absolutely. a chore. It was a nightmare getting everything set up. And that was a giant pain in the rear. Like I didn't even use a front end most of the time. I would just go and pick, a, you know, the emulator and I would say, okay, I know that I want to launch this emulator. So I wouldn't right. even bother with a front end because it was just too much work. And then I got the Steam Deck and EmuDeck came out with this, you click four things and then you just <laughs> sit there and drop your ROMs in the right folder and you're done. Yep. And I was like, boy. That's real nice. So yeah. I was really hoping that this thing would have a similar experience, and it absolutely does not. But if you're smart and not an idiot like me, and you <laughs> actually pay attention to Russ's guides, he, he like, basically, he, he, I asked him a question, and he pasted part of his guide into the thing. Nice. And I, was follow, I followed that, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's, oh, that worked great. And Russ is probably <laughs> sitting there. If you just looked at the guide, you big dummy. Uh, so the fact that you need a guide, not a great experience. Sure. But now that I've followed the guide and I got it all set up, I'm really happy with it. But if you're looking for something that's really easy and streamlined to set up, this isn't it. Fair enough. And, and yeah, Russ, which, well, I was going to ask, which like front end are you using? Which front end are you talking about in the guide or are there multiple front ends in the guide? Yeah, so I should mention too with my guide, it's like I don't have a retro pocket flip guide. You know, like I, I'm I'm actually thinking about doing one, but again, it's the whole forty hours of work thing. But um, the idea here is that you know I've made a couple other retro pocket guides, and then I was like, 
they get outdated as soon as the next device comes out, which for the Retroid is like every three months, and it's really frustrating. And so I was like, okay, yep. fine. I'm going to do an Android guide like the one Bill's showing right here. And so it's just for like anything. You want to set up a phone, you want to set up a Retroid or an Ambernic, that's anything that uses uh, Android will basically be able to follow this. And then I also made like a RetroArch guide, so in case you want to set that up. Uh, so it's not a dedicated guide. It's kind of like spread out of, over a couple, which is kind of a pain. But either way, um, when it comes down to it for a front end, I recommend using one called Show, And this one is free. It's on the Google Play Store. And basically, it sets nice. it up so that you have like a tab-based system. So you can tab between your different consoles. And then also, you can use like the triggers to tab between the different like subjects. So you have all your emulation systems. Then you have like widgets. And the widgets, yeah, there, so there's the emulation systems. So we can kind of tab through that. And there's all sorts of skins. They've nice. got like almost 50 now at this point. Uh, but then you can tab over and there's like a widgets one. And within there, you can set up widgets. So it'd be like, okay, play my last played game or play me a random game. Like you can kind of set all of those up or you can have it shortcuts to specific games or apps, you know, like, hey, I want to play, you know, whatever, Dead Cells, like it's right there. And then there's one that just lists all the apps, kind of like if you were to open up your toolbox or whatever they call that in Android. And then right. finally, there's a settings one. So you can look at either Android settings or the DiG Show settings. So it's a very simple user interface. Um, and it's it's really smart. So with a lot of other front ends, what we basically do is you download it, you install it, and then you have to point it to your ROM folder and then also point it to whatever emulator you want it to use. This mm -hmm. one, still, you still have to point it to the ROM folder, but it's smart enough to know what emulators you have installed. So it'll already guess for you. Oh, and okay. you know, half the time it's right, which is taking away half that work. But the other times you have, you have to go in there and just kind of you know specify. And I, I kind of put that in all my guides as well. But yeah, right, so right. it works. It does take some tinkering. Even for me, it took me probably a solid day of just kind of laying around and, oh, this is something I should fix until I got it like just perfect. And so yep. it is definitely going to take some work, but it is pretty rewarding afterwards. All right. I'll check it out. I'll, I'll set my expectations that I'll have to do the work to get it nice and to my liking. But yeah, I've been looking for something that, yeah, I can take on, take with me just to kids activities, um, have it last longer and put it in my pocket, not have to bring my whole steam deck bag with me. So, right. I think this is the one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a fun little device. Peter two in chat asks, does Digisho uh, feel snappier than something like arc OS? I mm -hmm. cannot answer that question. Russ. Yeah, I can. So, uh, so <laughs> the problem with a lot of Android launchers is they do not feel snappier and that's because of the, all the overhead with Android and everything else. LaunchBox is a great example. They have one on Windows, but then they've made an Android one, which is like $40 now, which is ridiculous. Anyway, wow. uh, it does not feel snappy. Like, it is just rough when you're going through. And, you know, a couple others are like that, like Dig and stuff like that. As soon as you start adding graphics to it, it just gets really heavy. Digisho is probably the lightest out of all of them. I definitely feel snappy. Uh, it is not snappier than a Linux-based distribution like ArcOS or Jealous or something like that. Those just don't have the overhead, and so they just feel really nice and smooth. So not quite at that level, but pretty close. And, oh, you, he's frozen. Russ, oh, yeah. frozen? you're completely frozen. Here. Okay. Uh, maybe if I switch screens. Camera. I'll just switch screens real quick. Nope, just your camera. No, Can you just disconnect camera. your camera and come back real quick? Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So that that does it for any other questions for us, man? No, you, you nailed it. Thanks, guys. All right. So. <laughs> Uh, if you want to check it out again, uh, make sure that you use, uh, you can rewind to find out whatever Russ's code is. That way he'll get credit for that sale. Uh, but I think that this, this device is awesome. 
and it's definitely earned a permanent spot in my backpack. Uh, so I'm a, I'm definitely a fan of the Retroid Pocket Flip, especially because of the clamshell design. So Carrie has been vindicated that clamshell is the best. <laughs> and you know what this was really leaned me towards is I really want a more powerful clamshell. I want a Steam Deck mm-hmm. clamshell that has the controllers not quite so far away from each other, a little close, and you can open up that. But I don't know if there's a good way to have thumbsticks with that. Does that, you know what I mean? Like, can you have a thumbstick with like a real thumbstick with a clamshell over top of it? You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I mean, the GBD one max comes close GBD one max too, but I'm guessing you don't want the keyboard with that. You just want kind of dedicated controls. Yeah. I'm not really interested in a keyboard. I'm, I'm, I, I get why people would want a keyboard, but a keyboard. Yep kind of a nightmare like it's not like you're actually going to type on that thing right it's for when you're like okay i gotta put in a password real quick or (laughs) and honestly a touch screen type uh keyboard is just as effective as a keyboard that's that size so i feel like spending the extra money for the engineering that it takes to shoehorn a keyboard into a device like that not really the best choice Uh, All right, let's move on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're going to talk about um, Xbox next. I know that the thumbnail said uh, Zelda stuff. We definitely have that to talk about. It is Zelda week after all. Uh, but <laughs> let's let's talk about Xbox real quick because this was... I don't know if it was the biggest news of the week, but it was definitely up there. And it's uh, it's definitely something that I think that people are interested in. Microsoft's uh, chief, Phil Spencer... Uh, he w- went on an interview with the Xcast, which is basically the kind of funny games uh, Xbox podcast. Uh, right after uh, they've got some really bad news about Redfall, and uh, I gotta say, uh, he was he was answering the questions that they that they asked him, and he didn't really try and dodge. And I thought that that was impressive. Um, I'm just gonna read a couple of quotes, and then we'll kind of t- uh, talk about. What is it that they what, that he said? Uh, so oh, I have to click on this because I was set up for three people on the show. All right. <laughs> so he says, we're not, a, we're not in the business of out-consoling Sony or out-consoling Nintendo. Uh, he was talking to them. And then he said, I see the commentary that if you just build great games, everything will turn around. It's just not true that if we go off and build great games, all of a sudden you're going to see the console share shift in some dramatic way. 
we lost the worst generation to lose in the Xbox One generation, where everybody built their digital library of games. We want to make our Xbox community feel awesome, but this idea that if we just focus more on great games on our console, that somehow we're going to win the console race doesn't really lay into the reality of most people. There is no world where Starfield is an 11 out of 10 and people start selling their PS5s. That's not going to happen. Um, oh, okay. So uh, apparently it's not letting Russ come back in for some reason. Uh, Russ, I'm not sure why. I apologize. Um, I will have to look into that. It's not letting him rejoin the call or call. Maybe it's because we're already live. That's that's bad design. That's I'm gonna have lame. To, yeah, yeah, I don't like that. We want Russ. All right. That's right. So, Russ, just get on a plane and fly over to, to one of our houses and, and hop on the camera with us. All right. So, Rich, what do you yep. think? Uh, I want to take this apart piece by piece. Oh, there he is. Yeah, He's absolutely. calling. He's calling. There he is. We've Sweet. got him. All right. Is he back? Audio people, He's I apologize. <laughs> I got it. Sorry. Nah, don't, no worries, man. So, all the, the only thing you missed is we just read off Phil Spencer's quotes here. Uh, his ah. first one. Where he said, we're not in the business of out-consoling Sony or out-consoling Nintendo. Uh, Rich, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, two, two sides to that. First, I think this is, you know, what at least we have been talking about in these last few weeks. That this is, we we do want worse, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, you know... Microsoft isn't necessarily in the business at this point of just selling consoles. So there's that part to it. But I think also what he's selling, what he's saying here that I think got a little bit misconstrued um, is that they, they can't just, they can't just make good games, right? That's what he's saying. Not that they won't make good games, but that that alone is not the answer. Um, And I think part of that is the fact that, there are people that are going to buy a PS5 and those people may or may not buy an Xbox Series X and vice versa, right? Like these aren't necessarily the, the same people that are going to buy this, um, buy both systems. Most people won't. And like to his point, a lot of people have built up a digital library and there's a lot of inertia in that. You can't just have your PS4 or PS5 library and abandon that and go get an Xbox Series X. So his job is to figure out how can he still onboard people onto his platform, whether that platform is hardware or that platform is Game Pass or games as a service? How can he onboard people onto the platform despite the fact that they're playing from behind when it comes to digital libraries? I I will say that I, I, I don't necessarily think it's the digital libraries nearly as much as it is who you play with. Like if I play with Russ and yep. Rich and they have a PlayStation – I'm buying a PlayStation. If I play with Carrie and uh, uh, just anybody else, Carrie and, <laughs> and damn it, I can't, Justin Miller in chat. If I play with those guys and they're on <laughs> Xbox, I'm buying an Xbox. Like, yeah. that's the thing. The thing that you have to remember is people want to play with their friends. Now, sometimes, sometimes you can get around that by with games that are cross platform and they allow you to play. Like, just the other day, I was playing with. Uh, damn it, Jeff, we were playing. Um, if you guys don't know who Damn it, Jeff is, check out his YouTube channel. Uh, we were playing Overwatch. He was on his PC. I was on my PlayStation. We had a blast. And we were con- using Discord to, to talk to each other. Um, like, not all games work like that, though. So I don't know if it's necessary the digital libraries. I think it's more 
who you want to play with and what systems they have. Uh, Russ, what's your thoughts on this, uh, the quote about out-consoling Sony or Nintendo? Uh, yeah, so, you know, the thing is for me is that the last, I was thinking about this the other day, like when was the last time Xbox had one of those games that moved consoles? And I would say it was probably Halo 3. And that's how long it's been, you know, like that was the one I remember the big launch and people were like buying the Halo edition of the Xbox 360. I just not seeing that anymore. And so, um, yeah, I don't think that a single game is going to move units like the way that uh, that Phil was talking. You know, I think it really is coming down to the service. And a good example is I was in Target killing time with um, my nephew the other day and we had a really interesting experience. He basically asked you know, like he doesn't have a next, gener next generation console. And he was like, okay, what should I play and stuff like that? And I'm like kind of walking him through it. And then they had that sign that's like the $25 a month and you can get the Xbox Plus Game Pass with it. Like, you know what I'm talking about where you mm -hmm. don't buy the console, it comes yeah. with it. And he was really drawn to that. I always thought it was kind of dumb. Like, I'm like, I'm just going to buy the thing, right? But he, you know, in his generation and whatnot, he's like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's like buying a phone. You know what I mean? You just pay that monthly. And over the course of two years, you now have it and you get games the whole time. There's nothing like that with Sony. You know, you got to pay. Like, they, ha they didn't even have PS5s there at Target. They had a PS4 and it was still like three or four hundred bucks. And mm. I was like, yeah, don't buy that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um yeah, so it's it's totally a different use case. You know, he's a guy who doesn't have any friends online or any of that kind of stuff in terms of who he wants to play with. He's just kind of looking for the next best thing. And um, I think he's probably going to end up playing Destiny because that's the new Halo anyway. And so um, I think that's kind of where he was drawn. And it was nothing to do with what kind of games were there. It was just the pricing and the availability of the entire service. Yeah, and I saw a lot of people who got, uh, like, they got ticked off because he was like, we're not out consoling Sony or Nintendo. And everybody was like, oh, he's just given up. And I don't think so. I think this is the same thing that they've been saying this entire generation. And this yeah. is, I think if you go back a couple episodes, I think I talked about this as well. Everybody who's a major player in the space is playing a very different game. Uh, For sure. Yeah, Sony is like, buy our system, get our exclusives. Microsoft is subscribed to our stuff. Nintendo is like, we're Nintendo. And, you know, Steam is like, we're the new guy. And, like, we've got all of these uh, other handheld PC makers trying to find their own way in the niche. But, like, last gen, everybody was playing the same game. It was buy our system, play our games. This gen, everybody's playing a different game. And Microsoft has been playing a the subscription game from the beginning of the generation. Yep. And he's saying this, and a lot of people were like, boy, this sounds really bad for him to say. No, he's been saying this the whole time. He's been saying, this is our model. Our model is to get as many people on Game Pass as possible. And I think that that uh, could that hurt them? Maybe. We've talked about that in the past, the idea that maybe people aren't buying games for their system because of Game yep. Pass, or they're just like, I'm just going to wait. Uh, so... I think at the end of the day, when you look at Microsoft and you're like, okay, well, they're not doing as well as Sony. I think that Microsoft is, they're not playing for this generation. They're playing for the next generation. For sure. Because it's, they're, they're, it's all going to be subscription. And like Sony has already tried to copy Game Pass. Um, Nintendo has their Nintendo online service, which gives you access to their retro games and 
uh, their DLC. Sometimes they won't commit to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about Nintendo later, guys. Uh, yep. But uh, overall, I just think that they're very, very different things. And for him to say there's no world where Starfield is 11 out of 10 and people start selling their PS5, that's not going to happen. I agree with that. I, I yeah. don't like, but that's not their goal. Their goal is to get people to subscribe to Game Pass. And I think that that's, yep. that's perfectly reasonable. Um, so anything else? Have, Go ahead. Yeah, I do have one more thing on this. I feel like when this interview came out, it, you know, there was a lot of just immediate reaction. And I think some of that immediate reaction has died down. But a lot of the immediate reaction was like, Phil should no longer have this job. And I think that is complete revisionist history, right? Like if we look at Phil's resume, first of all, Phil came in after the latter years of Xbox 360. The latter years, if you remember, were not that great, right? And then the early years of Xbox One were also not great. Um, he came in after that. So he came in in 2014 and since then acquired Mojang, acquired Bethesda, came pretty damn close to the Activision King Blizzard. And, you know, that deal's not dead yet. Did Game Pass. And my understanding is that Microsoft Studios was not profitable for and is profitable now. So, like, his resume is ridiculous. Uh, and the other side to that is that we're not... We're seeing five years ago come to fruition now. Yeah. So, the... You know what I mean? The, so Redfall, whatever Redfall was, that started before Microsoft invested in Bethesda and bought Bethesda. Um, so the changes that he's making as a reaction to that or that Microsoft is making as a reaction to that, we won't see those for another three, four years. But I think if, I think when we see what, what comes forward in the next three years, I think it's going to look better than, than it does right now, for sure. Well, let's talk about what's coming. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Uh, because we got the Xbox three, uh, E3 showcase. I say E3 in quotes because there is no E3. Um, but on June 11th, which is pretty much close to when uh, E3 would have been, uh, we have the Xbox uh, showcase Sunday, June 11th, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, I may actually do a live stream, uh, covering that and immediately, you know, it's not Nintendo, so they probably won't, I won't get a strike or anything, but they'll probably claim it for music or whatever. Uh, but this is called the Starfield the direct. direct in it. Huh? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Nintendo's going to sue them. <laughs> it has the word uh, direct in it. This it is gone. Does. DMCA. Oh man, that's too funny. <laughs> it's got the Starfield direct. It says immediately following the Xbox game showcase. Listen, 
most of the time when I'm playing a console game, I'm playing on my PlayStation, but I also have an Xbox and I really like that device. I think it's fantastic. So I'm going to be watching this. And it says, get ready for the Xbox uh, Game Showcase and Starfield Direct double feature airing on June uh, 11th. And speaking, uh, any are you guys going to be watching this? Or, uh, Russ, I don't think you have an Xbox, do you? I do. I have the Series oh, S okay. actually here okay. in the studio. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what a Starfield is. Like, that's oh. where I'm at right now. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> so do you know what Fallout is? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Do you know what ESO is or Elder Scrolls is? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's like that. Games. It's that in space. Okay, is From it Bethesda. made by Bethesda? Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. and so it's going to be buggy for a year. Oh, it'll be Correct. super buggy. <laughs> like everybody's super mad at Redfall for being buggy. Everybody's going to be like, "Oh, Starfield's so amazing!" And like, there's going to be people glitching through walls, <laughs> and their faces are going to fall off, like Captain America in the uh, that Marvel game. Um, yep. So yes, super buggy, but it's made by Bethesda, and it's these huge open worlds, and people seem to love that. So. Uh, I'm definitely going to be watching this. What about you, Rich? I got it right. I'll I'll watch it. Yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll watch it. I, my expectations are pretty low. That said, I I have been spoiled by now a shadow drop during an Xbox showcase. So if they do that again, that would be wonderful. But I know they're not. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Hi-Fi Rush as a shadow drop was a, was the high moment of the year for me with Xbox. So I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, my yeah, I'd say my expectations are pretty low. I'm not terribly interested in starfield i hope it does well for them but it's yeah i i have a lot of catching up to do when it comes to bethesda games well i mean speaking of starfield the esrb has rated it they rated it m for mature that's fine that has nothing to do with this particular story but uh there is a couple of things that are listed in there in fact it is apparently hinting at microtransactions as possibly being in Starfield. Now, for those of you who uh, immediately react as, oh, microtransactions are terrible, I personally, and you feel free to tell me all the reason I'm wrong in chat, I personally don't care about microtransactions as long as they don't affect gameplay. Um, there are lots of microtransactions that affect gameplay that tick me off, but for the most part, if it's just cosmetic nonsense or something that saves me time, like uh, your horse runs two, 2% faster. I don't care. It doesn't bother me um, for Starfield, a hinting at my microtransactions from uh, the actual uh, rating from the ESRB. Some people are saying, well, this could be because Bethesda has this, I think it's called, it's a profit sharing model with modders. So if you mod the game and somebody uses your mods, then th- and they can like buy your mod, then Bethesda gets some money because you helped them fix the game. You get some money, <laughs> um, and it, like everybody's everybody's happy for the audio listeners. I'm doing air quotes. Sorry, audio <laughs> listeners, you can't see my fingers. Air quotes. All right, everybody's happy. Um, also, if you buy DLC, like, oh, you know, there's new quests, that's microtransactions. So that also counts. So I saw a lot of people hopping on this on Twitter being like, ah, microtransactions, terrible. I don't always think that they're, I don't think that they're always terrible. Uh, we don't know what they're like yet, so we'll have to wait and find out. Uh, if they don't mention microtransactions during the direct, uh, it is, it's so funny, it's called a direct. If they don't mention those <laughs> during the direct, then it makes me think that they're trying to hide them. 
And if we don't find out about them until after the game has been reviewed, then all kinds of red flags go up because we've seen games do that where they have no microtransactions. The game comes out, it's reviewed, and then microtransactions out the wazoo, everybody. We just updated. Here you go. Yeah. Russ, what do you think about this, man? To it. Yeah, I think people are sensitive to it from Bethesda just because aren't they the ones that started it with the horse armor and horse oblivion? Armor. Like, yeah. like it's them, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, I can see why people are like, oh, no, they're at it again. You know, it's been you know 20 <laughs> years, but still. Uh, Rich? Yeah, I, I just saw Emilio's comment as well. I, I You know, it does seem like um, also Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart has this tag apparently that's in the ESRB. There's a thread that you that you linked in our chat. And, you know, it, it seems like they're forespoken is another one. So it seems like this tag is common, even in scenarios where it's not exactly what you would expect. Um, so this could be a non-story. It's like you said, we'll see when it comes out. Uh, but yeah, I, I also would not be surprised by the makers of horse armor necessarily having microtransactions in their video games. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where we'll see what, what happens. My, I, and listen, there's we can't do anything about it. We're stuck with microtransactions for the rest of time. Um, I don't remember what car it was Mercedes Benz. They just released. Yes, I know this is a weird. I don't even care about cars. They just released <laughs> a, a thing where you can pay X dollars a month. I forget how much it is. I think it's $60 a month to have your car go from zero to 60 point two seconds faster. That's bananas with a subscription. And I <laughs> tweeted out, haha, all of you non gamers thought you could avoid horse armor. Um, because that's exactly what that is. It's just ridiculous. So <laughs> they're here. There's no getting away from them. Um, yep. Bald Sea Lion Productions says microtransactions can be good to breathe life into a game, but can be easily abused. I absolutely agree with that. All right. Well, everybody, we've been going for about a half an hour, and I want to make sure that we hit this these stories from Nintendo. So we have some other stuff, and if there's time at the end, we will we'll try and talk about some local couch multiplayer games, uh, some new trivia game that Rich found, and maybe some review bombing that's going on. So stick around if you possibly want to hear about those. But let's move on and talk about what I think has to be the biggest story of the of the week, especially as guy as as everybody on the panel here really likes emulation stuff. Um, Nintendo has issued a DMCA takedown requests to GitHub, including the lockpick tool. Now the lockpick tool, for those of you that don't know, listen, I'm probably going to get some stuff wrong. Feel free to correct me. I try and keep things very, very simple. The lockpick tool allows you to, uh, if you get it installed on your switch, it allows you to put your cartridge in, and then download the information from that cartridge so that you can then take the ROM that the, the cartridge that you paid for and make a copy of it, which is a hundred percent legal. Gentlemen, am I wrong about that? So lockpick is for production and title keys. So it's different. It's the cryptographic keys that are you need and necessary within an emulator to run those dumped games. So it's like the BIOS oh, okay. files. Basically. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But it's the thing that yeah. makes the the BIOS files that so that, and it's legal, right? Right. So, yeah. Well, so that's the part where we I would I would say we don't know whether or not it's legal. Yes, it's in all caps. We're a, not lawyers. 
<laughs> it's been assumed to be legal up until this point. Um, the the law or whatever that Nintendo is citing is called the circumvention of a technological measure. Yeah, we're not lawyers. Um, and I'll paste a link here. Section 1201, and it's no person shall circumvent a technological measure that effectively controls access to a work protected under this title. Um, and basically means you cannot, you, you cannot circumvent things that protect copyright. Uh, so they're saying that this falls under that. There's been no legal precedent to this point, but this, but if this were to go to court, which it won't, but if it were to go to court, that's where we would find legal precedent. So mm -hmm. it's, it, it's not legal or illegal yet. It's Schrodinger's cat, right? We don't know, um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we're at. And that's what they're, what they're citing. So Jason Will asks, asks a question that I think a lot of people are wondering. Am I buying a game or a license uh, to play that game? I need to read the fine print. You are not buying a game. You do not own games. Nobody owns games. Everybody who is always like, uh, physical media means that I own my games. <laughs> no, you don't. You own a license to play that game, and that license can be revoked from you whenever they want. Now, if they did that, everybody would be super angry at them. So nobody's stupid enough to do that. I don't know. Maybe some people are stupid enough to do that. So, um, no, you do not own your games. Uh, nobody owns their games, no, whether it's physical hardware, unless you're talking about like old school cartridges that go into old school systems, new systems, not, nobody owns anything. Uh, so a lot of times people get super, super upset about people who like to have digital content because of its convenience. And they're like, that's terrible. Never use that because it's, it, it's going to be, you know, it makes it, it you, I want to own my games. Now, if we look at uh, go nintendo.com, we have a few things that they followed up. Uh, it says Nintendo has just issued multiple DMC takedowns to GitHub, including lockpick the tool for dumping your own, your own keys from your own switch, which is ludicrous. This also caused, uh, who else was it? Um, somebody had posted it in, oh, I can't find it now. What was the, the emulators, the, the people who make the skyline skyline? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, talk about that, Rich. Well, actually, um, Russ, you posted the message from the skyline discord. Do you want to oh, okay. take that one? Sure. Yeah. So they, um, so, you know, the thing is that they rely on keys in order to make their emulator. And so their worry is that because the DMC takedown is related to those encryption keys that come from lockpick, that their app itself is breaking copyright. And that's what they were worried about. And so this is the same with Yuzu and Ryujinx. Essentially, they are using uh, that platform in order to get the keys in order to do the rest of their work. Well, I got someone drilling, sorry. <laughs> so while he's got somebody drilling in the background, here's what they said. It is with great sadness that we bring you this news. Recently, Nintendo has issued a DMCA takedown notice against Lockpick RCM, which will likely come into effect on Monday. Lockpick is a core part of legally dumping keys from the Switch. They claim that it circumvents their copyright and therefore violates their copyright. We find ourselves in a position where we are potentially violating their copyright by continuing to develop our content skyline by dumping keys for Switch users. And then they go on to say, we got to shut it down. Sorry. <laughs> and that so sucks because they weren't doing anything wrong. I will so go on record saying... You should 
pay for your games. You should not pirate games. But I right. also think Nintendo is absolutely overreaching here. What were you about to say, Rich? And then we'll get back to yeah. Russ. So I would argue this gets into potential conspiracy theory area, right? But I would argue that this was Nintendo's intention and intent all along, right? So dumping keys, we can leave the question to the side of whether or not dumping your own keys is legal or illegal. But what dumping your keys allows you to do is it, is it allows you to emulate games. Mm -hmm. It allows you to mod games on your Switch. And it allows you to... Um, What's the other thing? It allows, it, so, for, for example, what it does not do, it, you you do not need to dump your keys to install a custom firmware, and you do not need to dump your keys to play pirated games on a hack switch. So, right. effectively, dumping dumping your keys does nothing to stop piracy. It only stops emulation. Um, so, I believe that the reason for this is, in fact, to make emulation and the act of creating emulators illegal so that people like the skyline developers are forced to stop what they're doing um and things like that so i i think that's this is the desired outcome from nintendo russ oh he's still got drilling going on uh so i also think that this okay, throws so a cold it throws a cold blanket on anybody who creates content related to Nintendo. Zelda comes out on Friday. I had I was like after work on Friday I'm going to come home, I'm going to have Zelda installed on my Switch. I'm going which I paid for. I went out, my wife went out and got me an OLED Switch because the the new Zelda one because she's awesome and I was going to play it and stream it on my on my YouTube channel. I'm not doing that now. Like they're being ridiculous, and I'm gonna. I'll, I'll talk about something else that they actually went after very, very soon. Russ, is there still drilling? No, they just finished. <laughs> it's going back and forth. Sorry, it's like my neighbor. But anyway, it's okay. So, uh, yeah. So the thing is, right? We've talked about the piracy versus emulation thing. Big fan of emulation, obviously not with piracy, and so that's why when I show like my games and I'm playing it on a Switch or on a, on a Steam Deck, I show the Switch cartridge at the same time. Like I'm showing that I bought it, dumped it, and playing it, right? Um, and that's what that's the way I think about it. You know, it's like I'm taking like a CD and ripping it into MP3, basically. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. kind of that same idea. Now the whole light license and rights and all of the kind of stuff. Sure, it's it really hasn't been tested in court at the end of the day i just want to play my games on different platforms and it really sucks that nintendo's doing that i get why they're doing it specifically with switch because it is the only actively sold console that is being emulated to a larger degree and so uh yeah i get why they're doing that but all the same pirates are going to pirate regardless of any of this other stuff and so i, I don't know I, I feel like they're punishing their fans uh, the people who are most excited and who already pay for their stuff in ways that just, yeah, makes it really hard. I, I had an antidote the other day on my Retroid Pocket Flip review. I was going to show how you could play like YouTube on it. You could play YouTube, like just a video or whatever. And mm -hmm. I was going to play the Tears of the Kingdom trailer. And I was going to say, hey, look, it plays Tears of the Kingdom trailer. <laughs> and I was just going to do that. And I was like, you know, I can't, I can't even do that because no. I don't even want to risk it, you know? And so... It's just, it sucks that it kind of gets in our way of like, okay, you know, I, I want to be the most creative as I can be as a creator, just because it's fun, it's entertaining for everybody else. But because of Nintendo's practices, we're all selling ourselves a little bit short, which is kind of sucks. Yeah. Speaking of like that, that cold blanket, uh, chilling effect is the word that I was trying to think of. Speaking of the chilling effect that this has, um, if you guys don't know who Alana Pierce is, 
She uh, used to be regular on the the Nintendo the IGN's Nintendo podcast, which I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, now Me she either. works for the people who make God of War, whoever that is. Sony Santa Monica. Yeah, she works for Sony Santa Monica, Monica, and she also is a YouTuber and a Twitch streamer. And she was streaming on Twitch. She's not small potatoes either. Charlotte Azard, Alana Pierce is huge. All right. She was streaming on Twitch and she was reacting to Skill Up's Zelda preview video. It's my understanding that Nintendo invited Skill Up to their offices to try out Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. He he had permission to record footage and bring that footage with him and make a video. Uh, I, I didn't watch Skill Up's video. I watched a Zeltic's video, right? And so basically they had very restrictive guidelines. You can show this much new stuff. This is where you can show stuff from. This is where you can't show stuff from. This is what you can talk about. This is what you can't talk about. I would assume the Skill Up's video, because he was invited there, is approved content. Charlanazard on Twitch was watching his video and reacting to it. Basically, you know, he's got the video up. So she watches a little bit, pauses, talks about it a little bit with her audience, and then unpauses it, watches a little bit more. In the middle of her stream, she got suspended from Twitch. And she says, it would appear that Nintendo DMCA'd me for watching approved Zelda gameplay. <laughs> What? Are you kidding me? That is so crazy. Talk about biting the hand that feeds you. Feeds you. Feeds you? Yep. Ew. <laughs> uh, and any reactions here, guys? Yeah, I mean, this is exactly why like, I am very hesitant to do any sort of Nintendo stuff. Now, that being said, I just made a couple 3DS videos. But all the same, like, I, I don't really want to touch Switch stuff. You know, I, I'll do some light emulation, you know, always showing kind of the same games and, you know, the same parts as well as the cartridge and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's, it's getting really hard. And it sucks because, like, of all the systems, like, I like Nintendo games the most, you know. And uh, it, it's just I feel even worse for the people who are, like, Switch content creators, you know. Uh, yeah. People like Wolf Den and uh, Beat 'em yep. Ups, like they—that's where they got their following and stuff. And they have to walk around on eggshells, which kind of sucks. Yeah, I had a—I—I I had a my the podcast feed that this podcast is on is my old podcast feed from my old Nintendo show, Nintendo Switchcraft, where I got like seven hundred episodes of that show, and I used to talk about Nintendo stuff exclusively. And I'm so glad that I don't do that now because I would be terrified to put anything out with the, because yep. especially after what they did to Point Crow. Uh, if you guys don't know what they did to Point Crow is he put out, he didn't even, he, he was playing Breath of the Wild, number one. He modded Breath of the Wild, didn't sell the mod. He was just playing his game that he paid for modded. There's a really good video about it. You guys should watch <laughs> um, from the Nintendo podcast. And Nintendo copyright striked him. And the way that YouTube works is you can have three strikes in a certain amount of time. If you get three strikes, they delete your channel. You're done. Start yeah. over. They bundled the strikes that they had against him so that it came out as two strikes. Basically saying, we can do another one if you really want. 
like threaten it. That's basically threatening him. Like the, yeah. when the mob comes up and they're like, it would be a shame if something would have happened to your storefront here. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> it's so scummy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. my God. Any, anything yeah. left, uh, Rich? No, I think we covered it. That uh, I, I agree with Russ. It, it feels limiting. Right. Um, so I, 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 w- I said on my last video, if I could give back the tears leak, and and that would stop all of this, all yes. of this Nintendo shenanigans. I would absolutely give it back. Nobody, this is two weeks. It's not worth it. Yeah, and I'm not even playing the Tears League. I'm I want to play it on my Switch. Like that's where I want to play it. I don't want to play it on my yep. Steam Deck. I want to play it on my Switch. But Bill, if you play it on the Steam Deck, you can get this many more frames <laughs> per second. I don't care. It's just easier to play on my <laughs> Switch. The buttons match. Anyway, um, enough negative stuff. Let's move on to something that's positive. Uh, we had this tweet that came into the show uh, from us a while back. By the way, if you want to tweet at us, uh, at NerdNest TV on Twitter, if you have ideas, things that you want to talk about, uh, just shoot us a tweet. And um, if uh, if we can, we will respond to it. Uh, but Viking Man 34AB, apparently Viking Man 34 was already taken. Uh, they said... Do you guys have recommendations on local couch multiplayer for Steam Deck? My thought is if I dock it and pair four controllers, my friends and I can play something fun together, but no idea on what is out there other than Overcooked. I'm going to start by saying uh, all mine are going to sound the same. Streets of Rage 4, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, um, any game that's like Streets of Rogue, all those games that are side-scrolling beat-em-ups, they play fantastic. I have zero interest in anything that's split screen i don't like split screen gaming it's a pain so anything where everybody is all on one screen at the same time is going to play fantastic and tmnt runs like butter on the steam deck it's just such a fantastic game rich do you have a suggestion for a couch multiplayer game that uh would go really well uh with this idea yeah so before i talk about the thing i was going to mention um there just to stick to kind of closer to what the question is, Jackbox is my oh, suggestion. Yes. Yeah, right. So that's, I love Jackbox. It's a series of different games and Jackbox usually come, like there's like seven of them now and it usually comes with two, three, four games in in one package. And they're games that you play with people that may or may not play video games. Um, so one of them is uh, Drawful, which I believe you make an awful drawing of the prompt and they're supposed and you the folks with you are supposed to guess so kind of like Pictionary um, and but you do it on your phone so everybody can play even if you have no controller you just log into the game with your phone so it's really accessible for for anybody uh, what I was going to mention and you kind of alluded to it earlier and said that I discovered it but actually Emilio Sanchez in the chat discovered uh, sent it over to me recommended it to me uh, gamedoll.wtf which is a daily game trivia thing that you can play with your friends uh well you can play it yourself and just kind of compete with your friends right and so the main one is the artwork one where they show you a cover art for a video game kind of blurred and they give you a little piece of a corner and you take a guess of the game and you get like five lives and you know each after each life you get another corner of of the of the artwork so you can see a little bit more uh and there it refreshes every day so you can Try your best. I'm, I'm I'm purposely not clicking on anything because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who wants to play it because usually you could play like once a day with these kind of things. Uh, so I'm purposely not clicking on anything on this, but 
you know, there's the website, gamedull.wtf, if you want to check yep. it out. Um, back to uh, couch co-op stuff. Russ. Oh, wait, actually, before Russ goes, um, a, another uh, a- analog to the Jackbox games is a game called Use Your Words. If you haven't checked it out, basically they will... It's very similar to Jackbox, but they have like a couple of different modes uh, where like one of them, it will show you an old movie in black and white and like 30 seconds of the movie. And then you have to like come up with the caption and that that, that stuff's really fun, uh, especially nice. if you were the, uh, you know, a group of filthy minded people. Things get really hilarious uh, really fast. <laughs> Russ, couch co-op games uh, that work on the Steam Deck. Yeah, so uh, I'm obviously going to talk about emulation. So, uh, Emmy Deck has it set up. Yeah, exactly. Emmy Deck has it set up where they they've tried their best to get multi controller support set up for each of the emulators. It is a tricky business, right? And so, uh, some work better than the others, but for the most part, like RetroArch, for example, will work. And so, you'll have to get like a USB hub if you have your your Steam Deck docked, right? But you could get like you know 2.4 gigahertz controllers and kind of have set up like that, or you could try to do Bluetooth. It's going to get a little wonky with that, but Either way, that's definitely something you could set up. And so that'll allow you to play things like Saturn Bomberman, which is a game mm. that allows, I think, up to like 12 players or something like that. And so uh, you have games like that that you can try out. But the one that I was kind of thinking about, besides, initially I thought, oh, it may be like an older Mario Party game, but those are so slow nowadays. Like it's very hard to keep your attention. So the Switch version is probably the best one right now. But the ones I was thinking about were the old trivia games. So like uh, You Don't Know Jack, you guys remember that? Yeah. So that was on like the PS1 back in the day. And what's funny about them now is they're so dated and they're like classic retro. So if you're from a time period, <laughs> you know, like you remember that time period well, it's like going back in a time machine and playing those games. And those games are set up like those party games where you only need one controller. So it's really easy to kind of set up emulation wise. And then you guys can all just kind of like try to answer these old school questions like from back in the era. So you have to kind of put yourself in an old mind frame. And so I've always really liked that idea as well. Uh, yeah, as far as uh, coach like couch co-op, it's hard because there are a lot of them were split screen, you know, so you could do things like Mario Kart and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it can get uh, a little bit crazy after a while with all the stuff moving around and whatnot. So yeah, I would say stick to party games and, and try to play some of those classic ones from your era. And it's kind of fun. Yeah, I have those uh, old You Don't Know Jack games that I bought on Steam. Uh, I tried loading them on the Steam Deck, and they're like little tiny postage stamp windows, and I couldn't find a way to make it full screen. So have you actually played them on the deck? So the PS1 versions, you know what I mean? Because those oh, are made for Oh, so you're TVs. emulating them. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. So you okay. emulate the PS1 version. Like you take it from whatever era, you know, and then you play that old school game. It's going to be made for one of those TVs from back in the day. So it is a little bit easier, especially if you're playing it on a dock and then again on a TV. Mm-hmm. It's going to be blown up really big. It'll be easy to read. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, Fender 178 said- is saying it's on Steam. It doesn't work very well on Steam, uh, or at least on the Steam Deck. Uh, maybe on an actual PC. I haven't. I haven't launched it. Uh, everybody's going to be Bill. It is. A, it is a PC. Don't yell at me. It's fine. Send an email to leave me alone at gmail dot com. Uh, what were you about to say, Rich? I was going to call um, Hyperkind's comment where he says Russ is calling me old. I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably older. It's all good. I'm a lot older than I look. Uh, I, I will say. Um, 
not really related to this topic, but you don't know Jack. You know, you mentioned that there was a website back in the late '90s where you could play a game called Acrophobia, where everybody would make like they would give you an acronym. I wish this game still existed. They would give you an acronym, just a string of letters, right? And everybody who was playing, it was an online game. Everybody had to come up with what does this acronym stand for? And then you would vote on whose acronym was the funniest, that kind of thing. (laughs) I want that game back. Um, For those of you that don't know, we do this show live over on the YouTube channel, and we got a bunch of people who sent in, why am I on that screen? (laughs) There we go. Whoop, nope. I was on the right screen. There we go. Uh, I got a bunch of people uh, asking or or giving suggestions. Travis Bonesky says Castle Crashers. Uh, Game on Scorpio says Crawl is a good couch game. I've never heard of Crawl before, but Space Ghost Coast to Coast uh, or Coast Q Coast uh, says Duck Game and Crawl. Duck Game I've heard of, but Crawl I've never heard of. Have you guys heard of Crawl? I've heard of it, but I, I've seen it around. I like the pixel art, but I have, I've never played it. So I don't know if I, I didn't even realize it was multiplayer. Okay. Uh, Emilio Sanchez says ultimate chicken horse, which I've heard of, but I've not played. Uh, Retro tech X is suggesting death squared is really cool multiplayer. And they are absolutely correct. If you've never played death squared, um, you've probably seen the plushies in my videos at some point. I have the plushies from the Death Squared game that the devs had sent me. But basically, you play as these little cubes, and you have to solve a puzzle with other people. But like, if you're player A, and if I'm player A and Russ is player B, I might accidentally kill him when I'm trying to solve the puzzle. And so you really have to like work together to figure out what's the best way nice. to deal with this puzzle it's a really really fun game uh space ghost also also said divinity original sin 2 is a very very good couch co-op game um especially it's got such a unique way of game of doing it so it's an rpg but like there's sometimes where you have to make a decision and so your characters will argue with each other about <laughs> the decision based on the choices that you and you the people the person that you're playing with make so like if i want to kill the orc but you want to save the orc the characters will argue back and forth and then i think you roll a die to see whose choice actually gets chosen at that time i can't remember uh, off the top of my head because i i only played that single player but it's a it's a really really cool mechanic so thank you everybody who's uh giving us all these awesome uh suggestions any suggestions popping up for you guys in chat that you think we should include I forgot Portal 2. Like, that is so fun. Yeah. It is split screen, but that is a Good. fun game to play multiplayer. It is. Yep. It is. I, it, even even single player, uh, it's it's fantastic. Uh, what were you about to say, Rich? Uh, Shadow Moses called out Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, and that takes me back. I, was, I played that with uh, my son when my son was about five, six years old, so a few years ago. Um, and, you know, you have to have a lot of patience because <laughs> that game is literally like... Uh, trying to command a spacecraft and there's different zones for the spacecraft and it's really meant for like four players so there's a lot of like multitasking of like okay you control the weapon and i'll take us i'll navigate our way through to the end or vice versa right um so it, it was a lot of fun to, to play that with my son but yeah that's a good one especially if you have a few more people if you have three four people that's a really fun one 
Uh, yeah, the last one that I'll mention is called Ib and Ob. Uh, nobody in chat suggested it, but it's a it's an incredibly cool game where you have these two uh, characters, uh, and it's a platformer. And um, one of obviously player one controls one of them, player two controls the other. But basically, the way that it works is you go through. And you like some one of you can run on the ceiling and the other one can run on the floor and you have to kind of overcome all these different puzzles uh, as you're playing to try and figure out, okay, uh, if I have to get past here, I'm going to jump down here and then I'm going to jump on top of you so that you can jump up to get to this next thing, which then will unlock this the next part. And like right now in the video version, uh, you can see that like they have these black spiky balls that'll kill you and white circles on the bottom that won't kill you. And the player on the bottom has to touch the white balls in order to defeat the black spikes up top hmm. in order to let the other person through who can then collect the currency by doing it. It's a really, really cool puzzle game. Uh, also really addictive. So that's Ibn Ab. And uh, I, I love that game. It's really cool. Um, awesome. uh, go ahead. No, I just said awesome. Oh, that okay. looks good. All right, and I think that that is going to do it for today's episode of the Nerd Nest Podcast. If you are listening to this on your favorite uh, podcasting app, make sure that you give us a rating if your podcasting app supports that kind of thing. Also, if you didn't know, YouTube Music, if you're in the U.S. anyway, if you use YouTube Music as your music of choice, it now has podcast support, so you can listen to the podcast on YouTube Music, and at any time... You can switch over to the video version. So if I'm in the middle of talking, if we're in the middle of talking about a thing and I'm like, okay, well, on screen now you see Ibn Ab, you can then be like, oh, I wonder what they're talking about. And you can switch it from video or from audio to video right then so you can see what we're talking about and then switch it back to audio, put your phone away and keep washing the dishes or whatever. Uh, gentlemen, uh, before we get out of here, I need you to tell people about your latest videos that you want people to watch. Uh, Russ, start us off. So I reviewed a $25 emulation handheld called the Datafrog SF2000. And at $25, you might think, oh, man, this thing's going to be great or whatever. It's shaped like a Super Nintendo controller. It looks really fun. I didn't enjoy it. And so I, I made a review <laughs> no. on it. Everyone's been asking me about it, but I just I can't like I was thinking it'd be great to like give to a kid or whatever. I don't want to put them through that torture, you know, and so. <laughs> Yeah, maybe don't watch the video, or maybe, I don't know. I'm, I, I think, have an ROG Ally video coming out on Thursday, so maybe that'll be a Okay, boy, I'm so one. jealous. Yes, Russ got an ROG <laughs> Ally. Right oh, yeah, like, look is. right behind there him. Hey, if you guys were watching this on YouTube Music, you could have paused it right then and seen the box behind <laughs> Russ as he's trying to tease everybody that he's got one of those. Ah, oh, just so fantastic. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that. Um, Rich... I got it right again. Tell me, Yay, what is your latest video, man? I'm killing it. <laughs> <laughs> so the one I want to talk about is it's time for a change. I released that on Friday. It's about PC ports and just the state of PC ports. We talked about it in last week's podcast. And really the question that I ask is, is it something that is solvable? And what do we as the gamers, as the consumers, however you want to look at it, what do we want to do about it? What are we willing to do about it? And do we even care? Or are we just okay with the way things are? So that's what that's what I talk about in that episode. Awesome. And before we get out of here, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's here for the live show. If you're listening to this and you want to check out the live show, if you're watching this and you want to check out the live show, we record this on Tuesday afternoons. 
So make sure you they head on over to youtube.com slash nerdnest and subscribe over there. Turn on the bell so you get those notifications, and then you can be part of the show just like everybody else was that was suggesting these awesome games. Thank you guys for coming and hanging out with us. Gentlemen, uh, tell everybody goodbye while I hit this finish button. Goodbye, Peace. everybody. See ya.